Welcome to Adapter's Advantage, breakthrough moments that lead to success. Our podcast brings you insider stories of the moments that mattered, turning points on the sometimes rocky road to success. Here's your host, Mark Magnaca, president and co-founder of Alego, the workforce training and readiness platform built for distributed teams. Hi, I'm Mark Magnaca, and on behalf of the Adapter's Advantage podcast, I want to welcome you to our next episode with Elise Archer. Now, I'm very excited to have Elise as a guest on the program today. She and I have had a number of meaningful coincidences that have brought us together and uh, really looking forward to our conversation. Let me set the stage with a little bit of her biography. And as a branding expert, it's probably worth listening to this part because of the way that she does this could be useful to you and will help inform our conversation. So here goes. Elisa Archer is the founder of She Sells, a coaching program and community for women in sales who are revolutionizing the way sales is done. She's a thought leader and she shares insights in a number of major media publications, including Forbes and Inc. She's passionate about empowering women to sell in a way that leverages their natural gifts and helps them build wealth along the way. I love that line, by the way. Mm. She's an international keynote speaker, the host of uh, She Sells Radio, where she shares best practices from female entrepreneurs and sales professionals who've accomplished extraordinary goals. Prior to founding She Sells, Elise served as a partner in an eight-figure international sales coaching organization. And then outside of the business, she's a team member of Brand Builders Group, a personal branding strategy firm. Her client list includes New York Times bestselling authors, podcast hosts, and entrepreneurs from across the board. And uh, she's committed to helping scale their influence, impact, and income. So at least with that as a setup, and as a guy who wrote a book called The Product Is You, I watched you deliver a keynote with one of our mutual clients. And I, I sat there and thought, wow, she has taken an idea I was working on 20 years ago and brought it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, based on everything we just set up, how do you answer the question, what do you do? Yeah, well, I so appreciate that introduction, Mark, and being here. And um, yeah, I mean, you kind of shared, I would say the like the high level business, how I would answer what I do. But I think really at the end of the day, what I help my clients do is learn to believe in themselves enough to make more money and make their greatest impact in the world whether that looks like launching a podcast, writing a book, launching a new program, or making more money through their sales job so that they can go out and take care of their family, start a foundation, whatever that thing is. So um, yeah, thank you again for that, that beautiful introduction. I think at the end of the day, it's about self-belief and people expecting more for themselves and learning to do that so that they can go out and make their greatest impact. You know, Lisa, I'm a huge believer in this and I've had many personal experiences um, I believe if you ask the question to almost anybody, what do you believe you're capable of when you're confident? You sort of watch the wheels turn in their brain and they say, well, I'm capable of anything when I'm confident. Mm. You think about when you know how to do something, right? And then you, you ask the same question, what are you capable of when you're not confident? And we all recognize that literally the state of mind that relates to your belief in yourself and your confidence and or competence, which are very often intertwined, that affects how you show up in the world. 
So that's why to the extent that you're helping people really think about those things that, and help bring confidence to them, that's an enormous gift for so many people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you shared that. And, and thank you too, just for your perspective on that. I think that's so powerful. And I think the natural question someone asks is, well, how do you start to get more confident so that you can make better decisions for yourself and goal set based upon your highest and best self versus the more fear-based version of yourself. And I don't know about you, Mark, but for me, it comes down to, it's that daily practice it's every single day morning routine, right? Like looking at your goals. I've got my, my vision board here on the wall, looking at that, like getting excited about that reading, pouring into yourself, working out, like whatever that daily routine is that gets you in that peak state of confidence. Right. And sometimes you got to go back and you got to reaffirm those things two, three, four times a day, you know, confidence wanes, just like you got to eat a couple times a day. You may need to reinstill your confidence a few times a day, but you're right. It's so important. And when we can learn to think of ourselves and goal set based upon and coming from that state of peak confidence versus fear, everything changes. So I love that you brought that up. You know, Alicia, you made me think of the fact that I listened to a podcast with Seth Godin and Tim Ferriss uh, recently. And Tim Ferriss was saying he really appreciated that Seth Godin has basically been acting as a coach for him. And Seth Godin explained what you just said, which is that he writes every day. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, as a professional writer, you write every day. And so Tim says, well, the problem is I try that, but there are certain days he goes, it's just what I'm writing is not good. And, and Seth brought up a really interesting idea. He said, Tim, your job is to write every day. He said, the interesting thing is as talented as you are, you may not have the expertise as relates to judgment to ascertain whether what you wrote today is good or bad. You might think it's bad, but someone else with a different skill set may see a value to what you've done today. And when he said that, it just sort of clicked with me as an epiphany in the spirit of what you just described, that rhythm, the great athletes, the great artists, like you show up and you do your work. And some days it's extraordinary and some days it doesn't feel that great, but, but it's that daily consistency that makes all the difference in the world. That's such a good point. Yeah. I love that way of thinking about it. And I think the other thing that I, I like about that is we, our own perspective gets so skewed, whether we think sometimes what we're doing is really amazing. And actually there's, you know, 50 people who have maybe done it better or more often than not, we think what we're doing isn't that great. And yet there's somebody who needs to hear what we have to say in the way that we're saying it. And the interesting thing working with my personal branding clients with brand builders group is I get the privilege of working with some of the top entrepreneurs and business leaders in the world. Mm -hmm. And there's almost always a bit of imposter syndrome and why me, you know, I'm saying stuff that's already been said before I'm, you know, someone's already written this book or they've launched this program or they've launched a podcast about this. And, and the way that we think about it is your calling is somebody else's signal. So if, if you feel like you need to go and talk about something or launch this podcast to talk about um, adaptation and whatever that thing is, it's not really your business who needs to hear it on the other end, but take it as a signal that there's somebody who needs to hear it from you in your way. So kind of just that reassurance. And then, like you said, the daily practice and the consistency, we can get self-defeated because we think today's writing was terrible or today's podcast wasn't as good as I was hoping it right. to be. Right. And it's that, it's that practice and knowing that it takes years and years and years for most of these things to get to the point where a, you're really making traction with any sort of followership or growth in 
sales sometimes, um, or just to really feel good about what you're doing, but it's that daily practice over time. It's the compound effect. It will pay off. Well, at least let me tell you the fascinating thing. When our mutual friend, Mike McLaughlin of Ash Brokerage first introduced us and you were speaking at that conference um, and I watched your presentation and, and bear in mind, you know, obviously since I've been um, the co-founder of Allego, I haven't been doing the branding work as much other than occasionally for our, our Allego clients. But I will tell you that as I was listening to you, and in particular, what we're going to talk about with respect to she sells, I realized that you exemplify the point you just made. So some would say, well, hey, Mark, you wrote about this stuff in 2003, almost 20 years ago. I mean, what else is there to be said? But you've taken your own angle on this topic, working with another you know, uh, terrific author and thought leader, and you've made it your own. And now you're bringing it to a whole nother audience that wasn't an audience that I was targeting. Mm -hmm. So you're sort of exemplifying what you've just described of being able to recognize your job is to put it out there. And, and the target market that develops to that signal, that, that's sort of, in my opinion, let's, let's let fate decide that piece. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so true. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got from one of my mentors was you get to be attached to the what, but not the how. And yeah. specifically that's really helped me in sales because I used to get so caught up in, you know, a client conversation and I've got to hit my revenue target this month and I've got this person on the line right now. And oh my gosh, if they don't buy, where's the money going to come from? Where are the clients going to come from? I'm not going to hit my target. And what I've learned is you get to be fiercely committed to we're hitting this number this month. I'm bringing in X amount of money this month, or we're bringing in X amount of new clients as a, as a company this month, but you don't get to be attached to who that comes from. Right. And this that. is, yeah, yeah. That, I think that's really, that's part of what transitions salespeople into the just really powerful, powerful, um, the, the, their highest, most powerful version of themselves is learning that your job is to show up, be available to help that person. And you may have a conversation with someone that you think is a slam dunk and a layup. And you're like, this person's going to buy it's, sure. it's a done deal. Yeah. And that we've all had that right when they don't, and you're, yeah. you get like, Oh my gosh, what did I do wrong? But then inevitably the next day, the next week, someone right. comes out of the blue that you never thought was going to be your ideal client and they end yep. up buying. Yep. And so it's just being committed to the what, but not the how. And that helps take so much of the pressure off, regardless of whether you're selling or brand building or doing whatever it is that you're focused on right now. And believing what you just said. So if it's three mm -hmm. o'clock in the afternoon, your sugar's dropped, right? And, yeah. and you're sort of waning. And, and instead of beating yourself up, it's sort of remembering that, wait a minute, this is a numbers game. I need to stay in the game and keep playing and my number will come up again, right? It, it, that's just how it happens. I, I will tell you just on the imposter syndrome, um, I watched a show, I'm a big Frank Sinatra fan and I watched a wonderful Netflix program that was produced by his family. And um, one of the things it said is that Frank Sinatra, he played no instruments. Frank Sinatra wrote no songs in his entire musical career, even the song Nancy, about his daughter was not written for, it was not written by him, it was written for him. He, he effectively could not read music. And yet he was the greatest interpreter of the American songbook probably that has ever lived. Wow. And so if ever there's an example of like the skinny kid from Hoboken who used his, his own life experience to, to emote into these songs that touched people all over the world and not for a temporary period of time, 
but but now over a period of pretty much almost a hundred years since he you know he was born, um, you realize that you don't have to be the author. You don't have to be any of those things, right? There were lots of musicians who came and went, lots of songwriters who came and went, and yet what he did in his own unique way was interpret someone else's work, and it was magic. Wow. That's so good. And that's, that's part of what I'm so passionate about with this work too, is especially as it pertains to women in sales and business learning that sometimes we think if we do something a little bit differently, that makes it wrong. And if we, if, if the way that we sell is by building relationships and cultivating deep connections with people and, um, and that's not necessarily what, at least in my own background and a lot of corporate sales, it was more, it was kind of turn and burn. It was like, move through them, baby, as fast as you can. And that never felt really natural to me. I think it's learning that you have to, there's so much value in having a process and having kind of like guardrails of scripts and all that, but also learning to tap into your own natural gifts and talents and trusting yourself that if this is how you do something, and maybe like you said, you're Frank Sinatra and you've got the most amazing voice and the most amazing talent, but it's, you're not a songwriter and, um, and that's not your jam. You can still be really successful sure. and you can still accomplish your goals, even if it's a little bit different than what you've seen modeled. The theme of the, the podcast is this adapter's advantage concept. So can you describe a, a personal pivot point or a moment of learning that changed your approach to your role as owner of, of your own company? Mm, absolutely. Well, I think back to um, in 2015, when I decided I wanted to go out on my own and I built a successful career in sales, um, working in corporate. This is so embarrassing and it will also date me a bit, but um, my first sales job out of college, I was selling yellow pages. <laughs> that was a good business. For those, it, for those people was. who didn't know, it was a good business for a long time. It was. I mean, people were crushing it there because that was the only, that was the only uh, show in town if you wanted to advertise your business. And then I transitioned into selling digital advertising and worked with some of the biggest corporate brands um, in the world on their digital strategies. And, um, and then I just really felt started feeling called to go out on my own and become a sales coach and build my own business. And when I left and the way I left, I would probably not recommend to the faint of heart. I think for me, I was so ready to go out and start my own thing. Um, I had one customer who had paid me $300 to review a presentation for him. And I was like, proof of concept, let's go, I can quit. <laughs> so so I, I leave my six-figure job. I've got six months worth of savings to my name to make it work. Um, and I didn't really have any clients. And I didn't necessarily know how to be a great sales coach. But I came from such a strong marketing and branding and sales background that I thought, I know how to market and I know how to sell myself. Yeah. And so I went all in branding myself and marketing myself as the best sales coach in town. Cause I knew when I got customers, I could actually help them. Like I, I it, it was sure, in no, integrity. I Cause I knew I don't want to kind of give that disclaimer. Plus um, it was a smaller town, right? It was, a, it was a very small town. Yeah. It was like me and two people. <laughs> yeah. It worked really well. <laughs> and so I did a lot of different things. I started a local networking event. Um, I the most successful thing was I started putting out brief thought leadership videos on LinkedIn and literally just gave away everything I knew about how to sell, just generously gave it all away. And what started happening, Mark, was within just a couple of months, people started reaching out to me and saying, I've been watching your videos on LinkedIn. Like I'm checking out your social content. 
you clearly like, you know what you're doing. You look like you've been in this for a while. How do I hire you to work with you? Wow. And yeah. And so within that first year, I replaced my income. I went on to double and triple and continue, um, continue growing it. And it was so, it was just to me, the value of having a reputation. We use the term personal brand a little bit. I think people have different thoughts on that today and how that pertains to sales, but it's really just about reputation. And, and one of the things we always say at brand builders group is reputation precedes revenue. So if you are, if you don't necessarily have a revenue problem, more often than not, you have a reputation problem. And that can be at a corporate level. That can be at an individual level. If you're running your own thing, or maybe you're part of a sales team and they're encouraging you to go out and share content that corporate's creating to help drive leads. Being known is so important. And that really, that, that taught me so much. And I went on to join and become a partner within a bigger sales coaching organization from there. And the feedback I got, because I would get reached out to for keynotes by big clients and people, they've been, some of my colleagues have been trying to reach for years. And they're like, how are you doing this? We've been here longer than you. We think we're better coaches than you. How are you doing this? And it was, it's brand, it's reputation, it's being known. So that was that real, okay, this really actually does matter. Um, and I think for all of us, regardless of what our role is, really being intentional about our reputation is so critically important today. You know, it's so interesting you say that because um, this this whole body of knowledge around branding, you know, the, the, the original definition is, I know you know, derives from the branding of cattle. And, and many people don't realize the fact that, you know, initially cattle were branded just for ownership, circle X ranch, circle Y ranch. And, and the way that that word moved to meaning what we're talking about right now, both the logo as the brand and then the bigger meaning behind it was because in the stockyards of Chicago around the turn of the last century, you'd have a thousand head of cattle that would come off a train. And, when, and people began to realize that they needed to uh, quickly make a buying decision. And they remembered that the Circle X rancher took good care of their cattle and the Circle Y Ranch didn't. And so even though there was a premium in terms of the cost for Circle X, uh, people were willing to pay a quote premium for a brand product. Mm. That was how the whole thing evolved. And, and it sort of leads us to what you've just described. Yeah, it's it's so true. And the other thing I see happen, Mark, with a lot of my clients, and I've, I've butted up against this too, is we sometimes question and doubt the... What, you know, positioning yourself as an expert in a space or positioning yourself as someone who does have value and has something to say that's important that people should listen to. You know, one of the things I, we, we tell our clients a lot is to be an expert, you just need to know a little more than the person you're talking to. That's it. So really stepping into, if you can help the person you're talking to and you're a couple steps ahead, own it, show up, share it generously, position yourself as a thought leader, in your space, like don't be don't be disingenuous with it, don't misrepresent. But more often than not, kind of like I said before, I think people question how the validity of them positioning themselves as a true leader, as the number one in their space. And you gotta just own it because again, you think what you do is normal because you do it all day long. For a lot of people, it's not, and they really need your skill set, your talents, your technology, your what you're offering. So it's kind of getting out of our own way and realizing someone needs what you do, and to someone you are an expert. And you might as well show up that way. I love it. I love it. So let's pivot from that. And uh, let, let's just talk about how you're helping your clients now in this uh, post-pandemic time that we're living. What, what, if anything, has changed 
in a mostly virtual world? Yeah, it's it's a great question, Mark. I mean, a lot of my clients were already focusing on building their brand online. And so that um, I think a lot of them were well positioned going into 2020 for that although the need for them to do it faster has escalated. With that being said, I do work with a lot of speakers. And for anyone who's familiar with the speaking space, almost every gig this year got canceled or got converted into digital. And so I was working, I've been working with a lot of speakers where they went from having a full year of gigs planned to suddenly nothing on the books. And it's like their income dries up overnight. And you can imagine what sort of panic that creates. And so I think the first thing is just this has always helped me and it helped them having the mindset and the belief system that everything is always working for me. So if everything is always working for me, what am I being invited to do differently right now? And I think that I'll just kind of take it aside for this. One of the things I've learned in my own life is when the faucet shuts off, when what you were doing all of a sudden no longer works and it's a hard stop and it doesn't matter what you do, it just isn't working anymore. Usually you're being invited to do something differently. <laughs> so we yeah. went into it. I, lo that I love that. I just, I love that phrase. I want to capture that. I want to make sure people hear it. Uh, what if you think, think about what just happened as an invitation to do something else? And by the way, I was a speaker in September of 2001 and I was booked out all through the rest. And, and so it was different in some ways than what happened certainly with the pandemic, but the net effect was the same because on, on September 12th, in addition to the country completely being upended um, on so many different levels, everything stopped. So I, I know that feeling of like, oh my God, <laughs> we had all these plans and they're all completely thrown up now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think in that moment, you get to have a moment of, oh crap, what am I going to do? <laughs> like you get to, you get to be human. You get to have that moment and then it's time to rise up. Yeah. And so, and just, again, keeping that mindset of everything is always working for me that helps open up the creativity. So with a lot of my clients, specifically the speaker clients, we really just looked at, okay, if that's no longer possible, what's possible now. And for many of them, it was pivoting into doing virtual events, mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of repositioning themselves and rebranding themselves for that. For another one, um, he does a lot of speaking in the corporate space, and we worked on uh, just creating a workshop that he could offer virtually for uh, for his clients that he was going to go and do an in-person keynote for. And he ended up having one of his best months ever doing wow. that. So he went on to actually make more money this year than he had previously. And, and the other thing too is taking advantage. I think all of us this year are, have been invited to kind of take advantage of the pause to say what needs to be cleaned up, what needs, what systems do we need to put in place that weren't there before? Yes. Um, so with a lot of these clients, it's been, okay, let's make sure that your online presence is tight, that your speaker kit is ready to go. Let's work on that demo video that you've been putting off. Let's build out that sales funnel on the back end. So saying, hey, it's the pause. I need to do this stuff anyway. So let me take advantage of the time because I was never going to do it otherwise. It's such a great point. And having, I have a number of friends who are speakers as well. And I know that in that community in particular, spending your life on an airplane was a big part of the problem of the business, right? Like if you weren't traveling a hundred plus days a year, then, then you probably weren't earning the kind of income you wanted to earn. And so now with what you've just described, there's been this shift for many of my friends who said, wait a minute, I may not make as much and they don't, but they're able to do more things and they're able to do them and have a completely different lifestyle than they ever thought was possible. So that's why I love the way that you, you phrased that question. The thing that I'm wondering, at least I'm sure other people are wondering as they listen to you is, 
Um, where did you get this belief system? You know, with anything in our life that we earn, it's um, it's it's through our own challenges. And so for me personally, I, I, I called 2018, my year of three deaths. And this is, this is going to sound, it's going to sound heavy, but it's actually, it ended up being one of the best things that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, at the beginning of the year, I was, um, I was a partner in a big time sales coaching organization. I was making great money. I was leading a big team. I felt like I was living out my calling and unexpectedly in the middle of that year, I had an exit from the company and it was messy and it was painful. And I felt like my whole identity was ripped out from me very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I went from feeling like I knew exactly what I was going to do for my career to um, feeling totally lost. So I experienced really the death of a a career and an identity there. Um, Simultaneously, about two months after that, I was hosting a podcast that was one of the top podcasts in the social selling space. And one of my co-hosts, Greg, he was uh, 39 years old and passed away in his sleep. Oh my God. And yeah. And it was just, it was, he wasn't unhealthy. There was nothing that we, there, nobody saw it coming. Um, and I was 32 at the time and I, it, it hit me and I thought, gosh, if there's like, if I had seven years left to live my life, what would it actually be about? What would actually matter? And so I started, it helped me really reprioritize in that moment. And I'll, I'll tell you the third death in a moment, but it helped me really reprioritize what actually mattered. Mm. And I, I, I had a period of space, much like a lot of people have faced this year where I had to, um, I had to think differently about my life and I had to do something with my time because I'm a doer and I didn't have a career option lined up after that. So uh, I had to do something and I actually got this idea for something that I ended up doing called the instant impact challenge. And the idea behind it was that so often we can get caught up in our own heads and, um, and almost get into it. Like I I dealt with some depression then, and I never had before. Mm -hmm. And we can get depressed when we're so focused on ourselves and our circumstances. And I thought, people don't know that that's a really important point, but you're right. That's so true. Yeah. And I was, I, I went through a period there where I was just kind of down on myself and I was, I was feeling just depressed about all of it, but I noticed if I would do something nice for someone else, I would, even if it was just for a couple minutes, I would feel better. Yeah. And I thought how many other people are struggling with feeling the same way, like feeling down, feeling like they don't have purpose, feeling like they don't have direction. And so I launched the instant impact challenge, which was about every day, just do one kind thing for some, somebody else. Mm -hmm. It can be sending a thank you text. It can be buying coffee for the person in line behind you. It can be, you know, writing a card to somebody. Mm -hmm. And it was really more for me (laughs) than for anybody else. But every day for a year, I did something to help someone else. And I had other people start kind of following along and joining. And along the course of that happening, I, you know, we launched a new business and kind of got everything back up and running again professionally. But it transformed the way that I, it it transformed the way that I felt during that time. And it helped me shape that mindset. Um, The third death was, this was probably the hardest, but several months after that, we, we lost our first baby. It was, it was a miscarriage. So baby wasn't born yet, but that was, that was probably the hardest one. And for anyone who's been through that, and I know a lot of people have, um, and that took, that was one that took more months of healing and, um, and, and getting to just kind of go through that pain. But what I found on the other side is just not taking anything for granted. 
and with our son, Jack, now who just made his appearance on our, on our <laughs> interview, it's just, I so appreciate every single day. I yeah. so appreciate everything that I have, whether it's a quote unquote good day or whether it's a hard day, just because I know, I don't know how long I have. I don't know how long the people around me have. And I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be here, to be here with you and, um, and just to be present in this moment and appreciating everything that's going on. That was a very long answer to your question. <laughs> Actually, very profound, though, at least. I'm so glad you brought it up because the truth is, at any given moment, in my experience in my life, um, 20 to 30% of the population that you interact with at any given moment is undergoing some kind of event, like what you've just described. They could have had a loss of someone in their family, a loss of a job. And so when you, when you filter your communication to the idea that before I judge the way that this person's communicating with me at the moment or the way that they're talking or whatever it is they're doing, I have to remember that there's a pretty good likelihood there's something going on in their life, just as in all of our lives, there's, there's sort of the sine wave, right? And, and when you can think about it from that perspective, it's so much easier to have compassion for somebody else. And one of the things I love about what you just said is this notion that, that the human body in many ways is designed to pump out these little injections of endorphin that make us feel good when we help somebody else. Mm. And I'm not here to talk about uh, religion or spirituality per se on this podcast, but what an amazing thing, however human beings were created, that for most of us, the feel good emotion happens, A, when we're connected with other people, and B, it happens when we're doing something for somebody else rather than when we're doing it for ourselves. This is something else that I'm really passionate about um, in the sales world is like managing your schedule is important. Knowing where you're going and what you're doing is important. But part of what I saw being taught in so many corporations I was a part of, and even some of what I taught at my old company was like, if every single minute is not book solid, you're wasting time. And it created this sense of guilt around the day. And it created this sense of, oh my gosh, I'm never like, it's never enough. I'm never doing enough. And, and it created massive burnout for me and for other people. Sure. And so I think just one little thing someone could do is just carve out the space actually on your calendar for nothing, which is very terrifying for many people, <laughs> myself included, but carving out that space, whether it's when I'm working with, um, I, I coach some executives and big organizations and it's, it, this is the hardest thing for them to do, create the space to reflect at the end of the week, carve out, oh my gosh, an hour to sit there and write, write your ideas. The best stuff comes that way. It always does, but we've got to be open for it and available for it. You know, at least there's a saying in the Italian language, which is la dolce fa niente. And, and that means that the sweetness of doing nothing. Mm. Right. That there's a sweetness, like it, you know, whether it's Friday afternoon at four o'clock, but just to consciously give yourself the gift that I can do anything right now. As I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts, you talk about, uh, particularly for women who want to achieve a six figure income, what's the biggest challenge that's different for women than men mm. as, as they're seeking this career in sales or the way they run their, their world as a salesperson? Yeah. Great question, Mark. And I, so the word I'm going to use is going to sound heavy, but I'm going to explain what it is. So I think the biggest challenge is suppression. And like I said, that's a loaded word. Self, is it self-suppression or? That's, and so that's the distinction. So I think, I think there is both. If we just look at historically in our 
culture, there has been suppression of women in a number of ways, but even now in a world where it's way more egalitarian and women do have so many opportunities, we often suppress ourselves. And that can look like a lot of different things that can look like suppressing our voice because we think we have a really strong opinion about something in a meeting, but we're afraid of what other people are going to think of us. Um, It can look like suppressing our instincts. I ran into this a lot in corporate selling where I, I would have intuitions and hunches of, I should, you know, I should reach out and build a relationship with this client, but it's, it's not time for them to close yet. That's going to feel too forced and too hurried for them. But management was telling me, you've got to close now. we got to hit our numbers. And of course, the relationship never lasted. Um, And then suppression of earning potential. That's kind of the the ultimate manifestation of that. And so I um, I, I, I think it's getting to really know yourself and trust yourself. But... Um, the more you can infuse a little of that and just get to know yourself better and see how you can leverage your strengths and, um, and just infuse a little more of how you're naturally wired into what you do, you'll have more success and it'll be easier too. How are you coaching women who are, with whom you're talking about this? They say, okay, well, Elise, so what do I actually do? How, how do I implement what you're talking about? Mm, That's a good question. I mean, it, it, it always starts with yourself right? It always starts with just awareness of yourself. Um, I think this is something I have to help a lot of my clients do. And it's, it's partly just based on my own personal journey is first learning that being a woman doesn't mean you're weak and it's okay to be a woman in your business, whatever that is for a lot of us. We, and there's, there's just some stigma to like, I remember one of my, um, mentors shared, she was watching a big name in personal development, coach a guy, Uh, and he asked him a question about his dad. And he said, was your dad strong or was he feminine? And this was like a couple months ago. So this is like, there's, there's still, (laughs) (laughs) this is not like a recording from the the eighties or nineties. This was a couple months ago. So even just, I didn't know that was the antonym. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly. So it's, it's just, it's little stuff like that. So I think as a woman, I thought for so many years that being feminine meant I was weak Mm -hmm. and I was scared of that. So I tried to shut that off. And like I said, it was, um, it resulted in a lot of health issues for me and unhappiness. So the, the, Balance is all the beauty is always in the balance, right? So it's the alignment of both. So as a woman, I think some of the things we can best do are use the masculine structures to help support how you show up best as a woman. So in nature, the masculine supports the feminine. You can kind of think about it like this coffee cup, uh, the, the masculine is like the cup and then the coffee inside of it is the feminine. And so like we've talked about before with schedule and with your calendar, like using a schedule to make sure that you're accomplishing your goals, but also creating that space for creativity, for reflection, um, in quiet time, like reading, starting to study great women in history. Again, I like, I thought all of, I'd never thought I'd be on a podcast talking about femininity because I thought that's like, no, I'm delighted. I'm delighted. Yeah. So much of what we're doing at Allego, Elise, is helping to change the way people learn at work. Mm. And whether this, this, this con, you know, the conversation about uh, what's changing for women, and, and let's be frank that what's happened post-pandemic has absolutely impacted women in a hugely profound way, at not just across the United States and North America, but across the world, disproportionately, right? Because in so many families, when there was when, when suit came to nuts, someone had to 
make a decision and say, we've got children and that's our first priority. And, and it didn't matter whether the woman was a doctor in some cases or a teacher or whatever the case might've been, uh, disproportionately it's women who, according to all the research I've been reading, have been the ones who said, in effect, I will make the sacrifice, mm. which is powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think you're so right about post-pandemic world. It's all kind of shifted and been thrown out the window as well. But I, I think flexibility in how we achieve things is really important right now for all of us, especially if you're taking care of kids at home and managing that along with your work. So this was a big part. It also, this ties in with, I think, being a woman and femininity. It's like that flexibility, that creativity, that, Hey, maybe there's multiple ways to achieve this goal and not getting so caught up in, this is how we've always done it. This is how we know it works. But looking at if X, Y, Z is the end result, what are all the different creative ways we could get there and accomplish that? So I think it's something we're all being invited to look at right now, but especially as a woman, it's, it's, it's part of how you're naturally wired as a woman. And so I think women can really excel and thrive, but we've got to stop making ourselves wrong for approaching things and doing things a little bit different. I want to pivot to the last question, uh, second to last question for you, Elise. And, you know, you, you talked about social media, the biggest thing that I, as I think about the concept of personal branding and, and kind of where I started on this journey 20 plus years ago, and then, and then where you started it, what I realized is you brought to it something that, although I personally had a big interest in video, even 20 years ago, I believed in using video in my programs. And I always was, you know, watching movies and grabbing snippets and that kind of stuff. The idea of social media and using video as sort of a part of outbound marketing, it just wasn't part of my kind of formative time. It certainly is now, but it wasn't in, in my formative time. So What's your experience about using the power of video in terms of your interactions with your clients and even as part of your marketing? Uh, why do you use it and what's the impact been? I love that question. I mean, it's everything. It's been, like I mentioned at the beginning, from an outbound standpoint, when I first started putting out videos to try to market myself as a sales coach, it's just video speeds things up. So people felt like they knew me faster. They felt like they could learn from me faster. Plus the social media platforms love them. So you're going to get more people looking at your stuff than if you're doing a written post often. Um, but then even on a one-to-one -one customer basis, you know, I remember several years ago, I was referred into this, um, he's a VP of sales in a high level financial organization. We probably both know this person. So I'll ask you <laughs> offline if you do. Um, but I was referred to him to go in and coach his team. And it was a warm referral. I thought this is going to be so easy. So I call him and um, he doesn't take the call, which is normal, right? You normally got to call people a couple of times. I continued to call this guy for a year and he would either ignore my call or he would schedule an appointment and then no show me. And I got to a point of frustration with it. And I remember I was I was in Austin and I was coming back from a mastermind and it was early in the morning and I was at the airport and I hadn't showered and I was in a t-shirt and I was about to board my plane. And I was like, gosh, you know, I just, I need to find a different way to reach this guy. So I record a quick video email for him, just letting him know how much I am looking forward to hopefully meeting with him someday. And I let him know, Hey, I'm going to be in your neck of the woods in a couple of weeks. I'd love to swing in and meet you in person. If uh, and just see if there's anything that could come out of this. And um, I wasn't really going to be in his neck of the woods, but I thought I will be if he says I can come. <laughs> and so I get on the plane, I forget about it. And I get off the plane and there's a response back from him. And he's like, hey, that was really different. 
thank you for reaching out to me that way. I tell you what, if you're going to be up here, come in, meet with me. Let's see what happens. Wow. And so that one, so to speak. Yeah. It was just like, it was that, that was all it took was just doing something a little bit different. And that one relation, it turned into a six figure relationship. He referred me to a bunch of other people, became one of my dear friends, like still love him to this day. And, um, I don't think he ever would have responded if I didn't do something different. Like I love that. that. That's, that's what I want yeah. to share with uh, some of our Allego clients. Uh, Elise, last question. You know, we've covered a lot of different ground here. What would you say is the most important skill that women in particular, you mm. think, need to improve on today or they need to learn or improve today? Yeah, it's, it's such a good question. I think it's learning how to market yourself and how to confidently market yourself. I think it's only going to get more important. And that can be internally with the stakeholders in your organization, whether you're asking for a raise, asking for a promotion, and it can also be externally marketing yourself as an expert, somebody who can help somebody who can, who, you know, who can generate sales and be a real leader in that space. So I think the confidence to market yourself, and I think an easy way to do that, I learned this from one of my clients, um, Heather Monahan, she's a great example of someone to watch who really markets and brands herself well, is you just think of yourself as your own product. And if you were, if you were marketing and talking about your favorite product, how excited would you be when you talk about it? How many people would you tell about it? How easy would it be for you to do it? It has to be that same level of intensity and fierceness with marketing yourself, because otherwise we get way, way too much in our own way and we yeah. hold back. And it really is a disservice to the people who need you. I love it. That is a great way for us to wrap this up. If people want to learn more about you, your coaching services, she sells the podcast, what's the best way to do that? Thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, everything lives on elisearcher.com. So it's all there. Go check it out, elisearcher.com. I would love to get to know and connect with anyone who's listening who wants to reach out. Great. That's E-L-Y-S-E Archer, A-R-C-H-E-R. -E for those of you listening, Elise, it's been a real pleasure. Uh, look forward to continuing our conversation and uh, watching your journey as you continue to move forward and help so many people with this message that I personally believe in very much. Thank you, Mark. This is great. Thanks for joining us this week on Adapters Advantage, available on all major podcast platforms. Make sure you visit our website, alego.com, where you can subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. If you liked this show, you might want to check out our virtual training kit to learn how to keep a remote team running at full speed. Go to alego.com slash virtual to download your kit today. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. And don't forget, one new idea can change your life.